Amen. Thanks so much, Brian. Well, good morning. I want to say a particular uh, welcome to those of you who are new here this morning, whether you're new in person or online. So glad you're joining us. My name is Alex and uh, one of the pastors here. So thank you so much for making us a part of your Sunday morning. What we are all about here is really simple. It's just connecting, connecting people to God, connecting people to each other so that together we can engage our world for good. We have to experience a little bit of all those things here this morning. Before we jump into what we're talking about uh, here this morning, last week, Easter weekend was phenomenal. Good Friday, three services Easter Sunday morning, Chatham kids, hospitality, all the work, so much time, effort, energy went into it through all kinds of volunteers and staff. I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Can we give everyone a hand who, who volunteered and served last week? Thank you so much. For a fantastic Easter weekend. Uh, if you're just joining us, great week to join us. Week one of a brand new series called The Way of Wisdom. Here's where we're going. It has never been more complicated to be a human being than right here, right now. You got more stuff coming at you, more information, more noise, more clatter, more clutter, more opinions and opinions and opinions coming at you than any human beings ever in human history. And the result is we're so overwhelmed. And so sort of swamped by all the things we have coming at us. This morning and throughout the course of the next six weeks, we're talking about the way of wisdom. What if there is a path of wisdom that cuts through the clutter? Wouldn't that be great? What if there's a path of wisdom? It's been time tested. It's been proven. It's been sort of worked out over centuries that demonstrates a way that actually not just cuts through the clutter and gives us peace. It helps us to organize the clutter. Like there's a place for all that clutter. To rightfully put it in its proper spot in relationship to you and how you relate to it. The call over the next six weeks is the invitation to step onto the way of wisdom. It is ancient, but it's not dated. It is tested across every culture, across all kinds of personality types. It offers a path of peace, strength. It is both safe and not safe all at the same time. It is courageous, strong. It will call forth more out of you than you knew was even present, and it will also provide for you a way to navigate all the challenges of life. In a world that is chaotic and always changing, the way of wisdom is stable, fruitful, enduring, and endures forever. The invitation is to step onto the way of wisdom. Now, to start with today, we're going to ask the question, where does the way of wisdom lead to? Like, what does it produce? What happens if we actually walk in this sort of ancient path of wisdom? And the, pas the passage today that Brian just read tells us that the way of wisdom leads to the blessed life. Your blessed life now. Now, of course, if we took a poll, everyone would have a different picture of what the blessed life looks like, right? You've got, you've got your opinion. I've got my picture. The blessed life looks different to different ones of us, right? Some of you just want 50 acres, no neighbors, your family, maybe some crops, and you're happy. Others of us, we would love to have a, 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 a career, a job that matters to us. It feels meaningful or important. Some of us, it would have to do with money or influence. Of course, the larger cultural picture of the blessed life are celebrities, right? Uh, millions of followers, all kinds of money, all kinds of choices. But what if all these pictures of blessed life are missing? askew, kind of missing something, uh, not quite right. What if there is a picture of, of how God would define what the blessed life actually looks like? And what if the way of wisdom, God's way of wisdom, leads to this thing that actually endures, it has more character, has more strength, than, and, and, and more thickness, more to it than many of our pictures of the blessed life, while avoiding the pitfalls of the way that the popular culture defines the blessed life. Today we're going to get this better picture of what that blessed life looks like as we sort of walk the way of wisdom as God defines wisdom and the path that he invites us into. 
Brian earlier read Psalm chapter 1. Now, the book of Psalms, if you're not familiar with the Bible, it's right about in the middle of it. It's the Old Testament. And it is literally the place where more people have gone to learn to pray than any other book ever. Like, Jews and Christians for centuries have gone to, to the Psalms to see how to pray. There's all kinds of prayers in there. There are uh, prayers of lament, prayers of anguish, prayers of anger. There are prayers of celebration and rejoicing and all kinds of worship. Psalm 1, the most influential book of prayer of all time. Uh, and it opens up in Psalm 1 with this picture of what the blessed life looks like. Now, and Brian said this, the word blessed is also more frequently translated happy. But happy feels kind of thin, so they kind of put blessed instead of it. But blessed and happy is the word here. And Psalm 1 opens this way with the blessed life. Blessed or happy is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Well, I have uh, four teenagers, so first of all, please pray for me. And I'm in a season of life where every, it feels like every few weeks a new kid gets a driver's license, which also I'm praying for you in that respect, that there's my teenagers on the road. And what that means is that my kids have saved up money, saved up money, saved up money, and a couple of them have bought their own cars with a little help from, our, from us, which is great. But there's only so far $5,000 will take you in the used car market, right? So, so we're often shopping online and uh, looking for good deals. And it also means occasionally, very rarely, we walk onto sleazy used car lots. Now, if you've never stepped foot on a sleazy used car lot, you are missing out on one of life's finer pleasures, let me tell you. Because the moment you step on a sleazy used car lot, you know that someone there is trying to sell you a piece of junk. And even if you are the rare exception, Mr. Sleazy Used Car Salesman, even if you are all the best intentions, my assumption is you are trying to sell me, someone here is trying to sell me a used piece of junk that I will regret for the rest of my life. I would suggest to you that this is the first lesson on the way of wisdom. To beware of sleazy used car salesman. However... Some of us bring that same suspicion to our relationship with God. And if you don't really trust, if there's a part of you that can't really trust that God is for you and that God is good, like we just sang, it will undermine your joy to the day you die. And there's all kinds of reasons why I might believe that, right? All kinds of reasons here why you might think or believe or struggle to believe that God is good. That, that God is for you. But the psalmist opens up with this song of the blessed life. And the presupposition of the psalmist who's writing this prayer, writing this song, the, the previous understanding, the thing that's informing this whole psalm is this, that God made you to bless you with his gifts and most of all with the gift of himself. God made you in his image to fill you up with his spirit that you might be Full of the blessing of God. Yes, of course, his gifts, but most importantly, the gift of himself and his presence. Because when God gives the gift of himself, that's the greatest gift he can possibly give. You were made, in part, that God might pour his blessing into you. That is why you are here on this earth, to receive that blessing and then to be an instrument, a conduit of that blessing. And this morning, because I know stories, right, all kinds of stories in here about why you might not believe that, why that might be hard for you to get your minds around, because you're dealing with stuff, right? You're dealing with stuff at home, at work, in your family, in your friendship circle, all kinds of stuff, and all kinds of history, all kinds of sort of people's exhibit, A, B, C, D. Like, you've got hundreds of exhibits of why you have a hard time believing that God has actually put you on earth to bless you, because it seems like he might not be doing a very good job of it. 
the core of the good news of the scriptures, the core from page one to the end of the scriptures is that God created people in his image that he might fill you up with his blessing. That he is good, he is good, and he is good toward you. And he loves and pours out himself for you. And this morning, if you just can't quite believe that, so glad you're here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're in the exact right place. And please come along for the ride. Just know that this is why you're here this morning. To come face to face with the fact that you're not quite sure that God is good. That is a great thing to uncover. Some of you already knew that. Some of you weren't sure that was true until I said it. You're like, wait a minute, I'm not sure I believe that. Fantastic. What a good thing to realize. Come and see. Come and see. There's a God who is good. And his goodness is poured out to you, for you. And he made you that he might bless you, certainly with his gift, but most importantly, with the gift of himself. Bad days, good days, in seasons and out of seasons. Things are going great with you, things are not going so great for you. God has created you to meet you over and over and over again throughout the course of your life with the blessing of himself. So the psalmist opens with this idea that there's blessing to be had. And there's a way of blessing, a path of blessing. And the psalmist starts by telling us how not to get there. Blessed is, blessed is one who does not walk in step with the wicked, who does not stand the way that sinners take, does not sit in the company of mockers. Do not, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. That is, you're not in lockstep with people who are going in the direction of the thicket of wickedness. People who are chasing after money at all costs, fame at all costs, power at all costs. People who are lying, manipulating, scheming. You don't walk in step with those people. They are not walking in the path of blessedness. They are not walking in the direction of the fruitful and life-giving life. They are often feeding their own appetites. Sometimes at great cost to other people. Sometimes at great cost to their, their own bodies. For the sake of other lesser things. They sacrifice the good things for the bad things. That's the, that, those are the people who are walking in the path of wickedness. Do not walk in lockstep with those people. Finally, don't, well, next, don't stand in the way that sinners take. There are paths that are well-worn by us sinners, right? There are paths, there are ways of practices, practices and habits and ways of living that us sinners take over and over and over again. They're well-worn and they are very, very familiar. They're paths of self-absorption, paths of self-righteousness or no righteousness at all. They're paths of using people, worshiping things. Again, feeding appetites in a way that are destructive to us. Don't stand in those ways. Don't kind of make out, camp out and make that your permanent space that you're kind of inhabiting your practices. And then don't sit in the company of mockers. Don't gather around the people who criticize and critique and make fun of and gossip and kind of talk about things. Don't, don't get around those people who say, here are my people. Those people are not leading you, not walking with you into the blessed life, into the path of wisdom. The, psalm, the psalmist opens with the wrong who's and the wrong where's. You get the wrong who's, you get the wrong where's, you're not walking the path of wisdom. It doesn't lead to the blessed life as God defines blessings. There are short-term pleasures to be sure, but not long-term ongoing happiness. So I got to ask you here first thing this morning, who are you in step with? What paths are you standing on? Who are your people? Who are you in step with? Who are you walking in step with? You can look back. Some of us can look back on our lives when we were running away from God and in some of the darkest moments, some of the worst decisions we made, it's because we were in lockstep with the wrong people, right? Teenagers, middle schoolers, high schoolers, college students. Who are you in step with? Who are you hanging out with? Where are they taking you? What places do you end up? 
Whose house? What kind of parties? What are happening in those parties? What kind of gatherings? What places? Are you standing in the wrong places? Are you in lockstep with the wrong people who are leading you away from the paths of blessedness? Adults, are you with the wrong people in person and online? Do you go to the, to the spaces online that are full of vitriol, anger, that just make you anxious and angry all the time? Do you go to the spaces online that are feeding you images that you can't unsee that are ruining your spirit, ruining your heart, ruining your mind? Are you getting hooked into a path, a place that is unraveling your soul, just pouring darkness, more and more darkness into you? Whether that's self-righteousness, whether it's politics, whether it's worry, whether it's anger, whether it's pornography, whether it's hooked into a gambling addiction online, whether it's going places, walking the path, sitting with people that are mocking, criticizing, making me feel better because I'm so much better than those people over there because they don't know what they're talking about. We're right. They're wrong. Let's throw a bunch of rocks at those people, the mockers. Who are you in step with? Who are your who's? Where are your where's? Who are your people? Are there people that you're in lockstep with? Are there places that you frequent and that you're participating in? And are there folks who, who you're saying, these are my people who are not leading you down the path of the blessed life? Now the psalmist contrasts that from the wrong who's and the wrong where's to this internal world of delight. Because our, our, our delight is super important that drives kind of who we are, what we're going to do. The, the person who is blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. And who meditates on his law day and night. Now, my, my oldest teenager, he is a freshman in college. And he's trying to figure out what to major in, right? What do you major in? And you don't quite ask it this way. But the question of majoring is, well, what do you delight to do, right? There's some, some, of you, some of you delight to do math. The rest of us are normal. We love you. It's okay. Right? Some of you love to do puzzles. Some of you just delight in studying all these different things, right? Our delight can help us to discover how God made us and what he made us to do. So the psalmist opens with what we don't do, right? Do not sort of be with the wrong who's and the wrong where's. And then he pivots to the internal world of, well, what are you going to delight in? And this is so important. Those who get to the blessed life are the ones who delight in the law of the Lord, who meditate on his law day and night. My friends, this is so crucial to deciding whether or not you're going to live the blessed life. Because here's the thing. Our delight dictates our path. Because you're going to follow your delight. Your delight dictates your path, which dictates your blessedness or lack thereof. Because you're going to invest in whatever you delight in. Right? You're going to invest in whatever you delight in. That you, whatever you delight in, that's going to dictate your path. You're going to be drawn down that path. Whether it's your golf game or puzzles, whether it's projects around the house or camping, whether it's spelunking, whether it's reading nerdy books or worshiping Jesus, whatever you delight in, that's the path you're going to walk in. Your delight is going to dictate your path, which is going to dictate your blessedness or lack thereof. Because we invest in whatever we delight in. So here's the thing, my friends. I want you to do a delight inventory. Because you've got to be awake to this. Because this is going to dictate which path you choose. What do you naturally delight in? What is already capturing your delight? I want you to do some evaluation of that, right? Because the path of blessedness comes to the person who is delighting in the law of the Lord and who meditates on that law day and night. Now, in my small group this past week, a few folks confessed to getting hung up on the word law. Who likes law? A few lawyers here and everyone else like, boo. 
the law can feel like constricting. It can feel kind of anxiety-producing, especially for perfectionists who feel like, oh, God, here's more stuff I got to do, right? And I went through my own season. What that we, we, call, we call it legalism, where I was so hung, so hung up on the rules and the rules and the more rules. It was like there was no joy in it. It was just a bunch of rules. It was pretty miserable. I had to, I had to learn to relate rightly to the law itself in order to live a fruitful, life-giving life that wasn't just about the rules. It was about the Lord and grace and mercy, and then the rules kind of fit rightly back into it. But the law of the Lord here in the scripture could refer to any number of things, right? So this is the Old Testament. So the first thing that comes to mind is the Ten Commandments. That's the law. More broadly, the, the law of the Lord can refer to in the Psalms particularly just the general uh, sort of the whole of scripture, not just the Ten Commandments, but the whole of scripture. And even more generally than that, the law of the Lord can just refer to the wisdom of God, the commands of God, the truth of God, the, the direction or instructions of God. And here's why that's good news. Because otherwise we don't know what we're doing. Because otherwise, my friends, here's the good news. There is wisdom available from God that is true. You're not just fumbling around in the dark. You're not just guessing as to, like, who you are, who God is, and what God made you to do. There are things in the scripture that show us who we are, who God is, and what God made us to do. And the invitation is to uncover those truths, to walk in those truths, and to faithfully pursue those paths, to meditate on those, to consider those. Otherwise, see, otherwise, my friends, otherwise we believe lies. Not even, like, some, some of those lies are, like, partially true or half true, but they're not whole truths. Otherwise, we, we believe lies about what the good life looks like, right? You're going to, otherwise, you, the, if you are void in the spot of God's wisdom about what the good life looks like, you know who's going to fill that void? You plus commercials. That's who's going to fill that void. Selling you all kinds of stuff. Stuff that is appealing. And not all, of it's, not all of it's completely untrue. But my friends, here's what happens when you build your life around lies about who you are. As a, like, are you a consumer or are you a child of God? You know who's going to tell you that? Only the law of God's going to tell you that you're a child of God. Commercials aren't going to tell you that. They'll tell you lies about who God is. Either not interested in you, far away, or not existent at all. The world will tell you all kinds of lies about what you're here for. Why you're on the planet. All kinds of messages, all kinds of stories. You build your life around lies. Not even terribly intentional lies. Not all of them horrible. But you build your lives around half-truths or all-out lies. Then you don't experience the way of wisdom. That's not the truth of God. That's not the blessed life. You can't build your life around a lie and expect it to hold up in the hard times. And so the invitation is to delight in and meditate on and get a hold of the good news of who God is and how God made us. The instructions of how God made us to run, to meditate on this. The meditation, the word meditation just means chew on, consider, ponder, internal dialogue, sometimes talking out loud to yourself. Some of you do that more than others. It's okay. We bless you on that. Consider, kind of meditate on, but that's all driven by what we delight in. And this delight thing is such a tricky business, right? The delight thing is such tricky business because we're born with a set of natural delights, right? Some of you just delight in spreadsheets. Again, we'll pray for you. Others of you delight in horses. Other of you delights in camping projects. There's, there's the natural delights. There's the things that are affected us, like the, our parents' delights, our grandparents' delights, something that kind of rubbed off on you. There's all these different delights that we have along the, the way. But I want to propose to you that there are two paths to delight, and we got to know about both of them. Two paths to delight. One are natural delights. And two, second, are learned delights. This is really important. Natural delights are the things we all know, right? And you intuitively, naturally take delight in those things. You're drawn to them. They energize you. They are attractive to you. With, you can't even explain it. You just sort of jump into it, right? Whether it's teaching kids or figuring out puzzles. And often what we delight in is a picture or a, a, a pointer to what God made us to do, right? So if you love solving problems, if you love fixing 
plumbing, if you love teaching kids, if you love working with kids, all that can be sort of pointers to what we were made to do. So natural delights can be very helpful in that way. But natural delights, some of our natural delights have to be super firmly boundaries, right? Take the delight we have in ice cream. You have to boundary that delight for it to be a blessing to you, right? And it always wants to overflow its banks. Some of you want to overflow your banks more than others. Some of our natural delights are good. They just have to be firmly, firmly boundaries. And then some of our natural delights are disasters, horrible, and will not lead you to the blessed life. Some of us delight in gossip, mocking other people, criticizing other people. That is not on the path to the blessed life. You have to firmly reject that natural delight if you want to walk the way of wisdom. Some of us delight in good grades. That's a great thing. But if you so delight in good grades that you're willing to cheat and plagiarize in order to get good grades, that has to be rejected in order to be on the path of wisdom to the blessed life. People have affairs because it promises a whole suite of delights. That has to be rejected in order to be on the path of wisdom to the blessed life. We all have natural delights. Some of them are good kind of pointers and signs to sort of who we are and kind of how God made us to be. Some of them need really, really, really firm boundaries and some have to be rejected entirely for us to live the blessed life. But here's the thing I want you to pay attention to. Your natural delights are not a natural guide to the path of wisdom. The things you intuitively and naturally delight in, they're not all bad. They just do not guarantee, they're not an infallible guide to the blessed life. Your delights, my delights, the things that we most naturally gravitate towards, may or may not be on the path of wisdom. They have to be filtered by something else and through something else. And so, the law of the Lord... The law of the Lord, the truth of God, the wisdom of God must be the one delight that rules them all. The one delight that sets them all in their proper place. The wisdom of God, the truth of God is the thing that you go through and filter all these other delights through. So that you know which of my natural delights need to be boundaried, maybe boundaried a little bit more. Which of my natural delights do I need to reject altogether? I naturally delight in these things over here, but those things are actually not life-giving and they're off the path of wisdom. And then some things, some things are my natural delights that are good. Like this is how God made you. It's a great thing. You just need to make sure it stays in its proper place because you don't want to make a good thing an ultimate thing. There are good things and there are ultimate things. Your job, your career, even, a great, even something like good like parenting or marriage. These are good things. They're just not eternal things. One thing, one delight remains into eternity. God. God's goodness. God's truth. God's word. This is the one delight that sets all of the delights in their proper place. This is the delight that sets you on the path of wisdom. Some of you have a natural delight in the law of the Lord. Some of you just love God, love scripture. It comes really naturally easily. That's a great gift. Almost all of us are going to have to learn to love all of God's law, right? Some of us, almost all of us have to learn some parts of who God is and kind of practice that and work at it. That could take some work for some of us. Like, so there's going to be parts of it that we, that we naturally like. And if you're on, the, on a spiritual journey where you're kind of checking out faith again or for the first time, or you're kind of coming back to faith after a long time away or still kind of figuring out what you believe, here, let me just tell you in advance. There's going to be parts about the God that Jesus shows us that you're going to love. His love, his joy, his peace. And there's going to be parts about the God that Jesus shows you that you're not going to like. Because you're not God, and he is. 
Talks about that God that aren't going to be intuitively, natively like, yes, I love that. And parts about that God, parts about the God that shows us that is. Like, right, so the fact that God is love, that his path is joy, his path is peace, his path is wisdom. We're like, yes, I love that, that sounds great. And then there's a part of God that, where Jesus says, God is holy and righteous. And we're like, whoa, that sounds intense. That sounds religious and kind of weird and heavy-handed. I'm not sure I want to walk on that path. So there's parts about God that we're going to love intuitively, natively, and there are parts of God that are, are going to be different. And then he's going to say, in order for you to walk the path of wisdom, I want to make you holy and righteous, just like God is holy and righteous, not self-righteous. That's a fake righteousness. A real righteousness where you are actually holy, whole, and righteous. And there's a part of me that goes, I'm not sure I want to walk that path. Doesn't sound like so much fun. But what if, but what if two things are true about God? One, God is holy, check. And two, God is the happiest being in the cosmos. God is happy. Joyful. It's his idea. He created it. He invented it. Joy, peace, happiness. All in him. He is the happiest being on the planet, in the cosmos. And what if, what if, what if God is happy because he's holy? And what if, what if God is so committed to your eternal happiness, which you could only be happy because you're holy, he sent his son to suffer, bleed, and die? For your sins and my sins. That we might finally be eternally, finally, forever holy in order that we can finally be eternally, finally, forever happy. Holiness and happiness go hand in hand. We don't think of it that way. The only way that you can be happy forever is to be holy forever. And so, at points, we're all going to come across the path directions on the path of wisdom that do not make sense to us, that we don't naturally like, that we wrestle with and struggle with, and by all means, please, wrestle and struggle. Just know, at the end of the day, that your intuition, not a not infallible guide to real joy, right? We already established that. Your natural delights may or may not be tuned in to what's actually good for you. And so you're going to have to decide, am I going to trust my own gut? on what I think is right, true, or good, or am I willing to submit, am I willing to follow, am I willing to walk in the way of wisdom, even if that wisdom doesn't make sense to me right here, right now, am I willing to surrender my opinion and my delights in order to delight in the law of the Lord, because there's no delight in the law of the Lord apart from walking in the fullness and meditating on delighting in his law, that's the only way we get to the blessed life, and our delight's going to dictate our path which dictates whether or not we experience blessedness. You're going to invest in whatever you delight in. So we have to cultivate and learn to cultivate a love for the law of the Lord. I was meeting with someone a couple months ago. Life is a mess. Life's a train wreck, largely through his own mistakes. He's made a bunch of bad decisions. He would say that. He's made a bunch of bunch of bad decisions, a bunch of bad mistakes. And he was trying to figure out how to fix it, how to, how to get things right again. And, and I was working with him and talking with him, and, and he was at the point where he, where he realized there was a bunch of things internal to him that weren't right, and he was acting out in all these ways that were not wise, that were not life-giving. So I gave him an assignment. I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to spend the next two weeks writing down every lie that you have believed in your life that you've lived out of that have resulted in this train wreck. What are your core lies? What are the lies that you've heard over your life, what you're living out of? What are the lies that are at work in your heart, in your life, that are on repeat, that are motivating and driving all this wreckage around you? 
So he did, for a couple weeks, to his credit, he sat down, he started writing down all these lies, all these lies that he realized he was believing over the course of his life. So we met uh, in, in, the, in the office space, and he wrote on the whiteboard all these lies, I mean, just like all these lies about things his parents had said to him, all these lies that he had believed about his identity, all the lies that he'd absorbed because he was walking in lockstep with sinners, that he had stood in the way that was not life-giving to him, he had sat down in the company of mockers, he'd absorbed all this unhealth, and he had, it had just had all this tor- terrible mess in his life. And so what I did is I walked him through a prayer session where he literally renounced every lie on the whiteboard. We just kind of went through and crossed it out. And then, you know what we did? We prayed scripture over him. He took off lies. He put on the truth of the law of God. And you know what? It was good. The scripture is good. The law of the Lord is delightful. It is life-giving. When you've been living your life by a bunch of lies for decades and decades and decades, and you get truth that cuts through the lies and sets you free, Jesus said the truth will set us free. This is how it happens. We take off lies. We put on truth. And when you begin to realize that the law of the Lord is true and good and right and replaces all these lies that have caused all this damage in your life. You know what? This guy a year ago didn't care about the Bible, didn't care about the law of the Lord. Now he is clinging to it for dear life. He loves it because he realizes it's good, true, right, delightful, life-giving. That's how you cultivate a love for the law of the Lord. See how good it is. Taste and see. Step in. Walk the path of wisdom that Jesus sort of lays out and fills out from building on the Psalms and all the wisdom literature. Walk this path of wisdom and see that it is life-giving for you and all those around you. The psalmist gives us this beautiful picture. What does it look like when our life is walking the path of wisdom? What happens to us? It's one of the most enduring pictures of that life that anyone's ever written. The rest of Psalm 1, or the next part of Psalm 1, he writes this, that the person who walks this path of wisdom, who meditates on the law, is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do, prospers. This idea of a planted tree, right there, they're planted by streams of water, that streams of water are the scriptures that are true and life-giving, that nurture that tree that never dries and dries out. They bear fruit in season, right? Not every season is fruitful. There's hard seasons and better seasons and more or less fruitful, but they bear fruit in season and step in accordance with how God made us. The leaf doesn't wither. That means we're kind of evergreen. Even, even when we're not as fruitful, even in dark times, hard times, we remain alive and life-giving. Whatever they do prospers doesn't mean that we're always like we're not talking like kind of health wealth and always like rich and famous and those sort of things. The common ancient greeting and still today among Jews is shalom, which translates peace, but it just means blessing, prosperity, like full 360 prospering on every area of your life, right? So this idea of whatever they do is prospering. It's the fulfillment of the blessing of the time and of Jews still today of shalom. Shalom is theirs. This is the concept of blessing and flourishing in the midst of all seasons, all the challenges. That is a rooted, strong picture of who you become when you walk the way of wisdom and this blessed life. It's in contrast to the way of the wicked, right? The wicked are like chaff. The wind blows away. The chaff are the stuff around the wheat. The kernel of the wheat you can eat. The stuff around it, it's just, like, it's just the husk. It goes away. And so what they would do is they would get these, they would do the harvest, go to these threshing floors, and they would just toss up the wheat over and over and over again until the husk kind of got released, and then it just kind of floated away like the chaff. Floated away lightly. It was nothing. Oh, my goodness, my friends. The lies feel so strong, don't they? Like the lies, 
the way of the wicked. It feels powerful. It feels strong. But my friends, at the end of the day, it's just built on lies. And lies don't exist. Lies are not tied to anything that's true. A lie is something that people fabricate. That has no anchor in reality. And so when you build your life around a lie, it can't sustain. It doesn't last forever. Not because God is angry and mean. It's just because when you build your life on something that can't withstand for all eternity, it won't stand for all eternity. Which is how the psalmist closes. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Two paths. Way of wisdom, the way of righteousness, the way of a fruitful life that results in a tree by streams of water. And then the way of the wicked, which is sin and useless, carried away, empty, devoid of all meaning, when all is said and done. That's where the psalmist lands today as we step into Psalm 1 and the path of wisdom, today's wildly important take-homes start with where the psalmist starts, which is God made you to bless you with his gifts and the gift of himself, do you believe it? The core of this all, the underlying it all, God made you to bless you with himself most of all, and yes, his gifts as well. Even when there's challenges, even when there's heartache, even when there's difficulties, here's the good news. God made you to bless you. He is here to bless you. I want to invite you to step into the blessing of God. That's the invitation to the way of wisdom. The way of wisdom avoids, this is not a step with the wrong who's, it keeps away from the wrong where. So who are you in step with? Where do you find yourself going in person and online? Who are you sort of in the company with and saying, these are my people? Are they people who are walking the way of wisdom that leads you to the blessed life? Or are they taking you to the wrong places that lead to destruction? And then our delight will dictate our path which dictates our blessedness or lack thereof you're going to invest in whatever you delight in your natural delights are not a reliable guide to joy your natural delights are not a reliable guide to joy my natural delights not a reliable guide to joy there is only one reliable guide to joy it's in the scriptures and his name is jesus and so we bring our delights to the the risen king and we say here's what i naturally delight in and some of this stuff is messed up and some of it's okay but needs boundaries and some of these things are good you made me to do this i want to do this in service to you and honor to you i'm going to submit all my delights to you let you sort them out we cultivate delight in the lord by cultivating a love for the scripture and a love for what's true and i want to invite you this morning to cultivate uh, delight in the lord by exchanging whatever lies you think you might believe for his truth this is one way you can learn to love the law of the lord learn to love the scripture what's true about it now some of you don't even know you're living by lies right some of you aren't even aware that there's all these lies so here's what i want you to do for this week i want you to take a week and i want you to pay attention to the voices in your head what are the voices in your head telling you well what are voices of shame and guilt that are on replay They're like oh i hear that voice a lot maybe just that maybe it starts with that what are voices of shame guilt that are on loop that you keep playing over and over and over again that tell you this is who you are. So spend a few days. Just pay attention to the voices in your head. So anything that sort of undermines your joy, that takes away your peace, and that you know results in you. And when you act on that voice, it leads you to trouble. Just write that down. And then what I want you to do, if you do this for the next five days, on Friday what I want you to do is I want you to open the scriptures. Maybe Google this. There's vo- you can just Google what scripture passages deal with shame, guilt. What scripture passages tell me the truth about money or my career or how I should treat people, how I should treat my enemies. Just look for that. And can you pray out? Can you renounce those lies that you believe and replace them with the truth of Scripture to learn to love, to delight in the law of the Lord, the Scripture that sets you free if you will let it, if you will embrace it, if you'll surrender 
to you. And some of those voices, some of those lies, they're pretty deep. They've been around for a long, long, long time. So what you might want to do is contact someone, find a friend who's not a mocker. Find a friend who's walking on the path of wisdom, who wants your blessing the way that God defines blessing. And maybe confess it. Here's a voice that I hear in my head that condemns me or that keeps on guilt or shame or that wants to steer me in all these wrong, maybe it's a super entitled voice, a super proud voice, an easily wounded voice. I want to get rid of this voice and I want to replace it with the truth of God's scripture, God's word. Would you help me? Would you pray that over me? And maybe, maybe, maybe walking with the wise instead of sitting with mockers might help to set you free from core lies, help you to live in light of the truth of who God says you are and who God is. That is the path of wisdom that leads you to becoming like this beautiful tree planted by streams of living water, fruitful, green, life-giving, a life that endures as you walk in this way of wisdom. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, you are good, and you are good to us, and you love us. And so I pray for uh, my friends here who struggle to believe that you love us as much as the scripture says you do. I pray for my friends here who are wrestling with your goodness in light of their own experience, in light of their current challenges. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would set us free to believe the truth of who you are. Lord, I pray for my friends who are here who are walking in lockstep with the wrong people who are standing in paths that lead to destructive outcomes, that are sitting in the company of mockers and saying, these are my people. I pray, God, that they would be, come awake to the invitation from the scriptures to move to some different who's or some different where's. And Lord Jesus, help us to cultivate a delight in your law, a delight in what's true, a delight in your scripture, a delight in the wisdom of the scriptures. Help us to meditate and love the fact that the truth can and does set us free when we surrender to it. Would you help us to delight in the law of the Lord, the scriptures that invite us to the path of wisdom? Jesus, you are at the center of it all. You are the living word, the fulfillment of the law. And so we worship you, we follow you, we trust in you, and we ask, Lord Jesus, that you as a good shepherd would lead us down the way of wisdom in the midst of all the noise and all the chaos. We want to walk in that path. Thank you for that invitation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.